There's a pretty nice view from Mountain View. I said Kathleen MacArthur to her friend Judith Wright on a bright summer's day. And I don't know about you, but my greatest fears are that someone will take all this beauty away. So let's fight, oh let's fight for it. I say. The Social Butterfly Part Two, a lunch hour theatre script by Kathleen MacArthur. We've followed Kathleen through her trials and tribulations as she navigated her way through adolescence. Her search for a job had many pitfalls, but finally she found her happy place as a shop assistant at Finney's. All through this time, her social butterfly status shadowed her. Her life continues. I loved the books. I liked my fellow workers, and I was happy again. were combined with the stationery department. Every once in a while there would be a memorable customer. Like the young woman who bought two rolls of toilet paper to be delivered with the enclosed note to read. Dear Mum, to save you cutting bum paper. My salary barely covered my costs. The tram fare and lunch at Basil's. The little restaurant across Adelaide Street where a two-course hot meal cost one and six with coffee. The social butterfly image went with Kathleen and she was quickly relegated into helping Finneys promote their latest products. Kathleen Court with her chic range of cosmetics and then Charles Chevelle's best-selling book, Uncivilized, which had been made into a film. Brisbane starlet Peg Maguire, one of the four Maguire daughters of the Bellevue Hotel, played the female lead. We turned quite a few heads the day we had lunch at Rose together, and she dared to wear slacks, in full view of Brisbane society, right in the middle of the prudish thirties, when it was simply unacceptable for a lady to wear slacks. Kathleen turned 21 and was still working at Finney's. She planned a holiday on the Sunlander, to take herself to Cairns on her own. Dad insisted I tell Mr Davidson of my plans. Mr D was both the commissioner for railways and a close family friend. Write him a letter! Was the order, and when Dad spoke in that commanding voice, well, he had to be obeyed. How could a letter be composed around something so trivial? A one-line letter? Then my muse whispered... Use the Coppet murders. Use the Coppet murders. The story goes that Coppet was a small-time thief targeting hotels and boarding houses when residents were not at home. He was practising his skills on the Sunlander when he got caught out. The petty thief turned into something more violent. Two rail passengers were killed and the conductor severely wounded. It was to be the inspiration for her letter. Dear Mr Davidson, 
Dad has given me a 21st birthday present of a trip to Cairns on the Sunlander. It seemed a good idea at first, but lately I've been recalling the Coppet affair and have developed the Collywobbles about it. Do you think I could be provided with a bodyguard? Your friend Kathleen Evans. Days later, I received a delightful reply from Mr D, who said he would have liked to come with me, but was just too busy. So instead, promised I would be taken care of. True to his word, Kathleen was greeted on her arrival at Cairns by the Deputy Commissioner for Railways, and Johnny, a young engineer who was to act as her escort around the Tablelands. To this day, the family always questioned whether Johnny the escort was protecting Kathleen or the other way around. Quite coincidentally, Kathleen's trip to the quiet little town of Ravenshoe turned out to be at the same time that the Governor-General and Lady Gowrie were visiting the far north Queensland. In a time before tourism, there were no sealed roads into any scenic attractions, so a visit to see the Tully Falls meant a day sloshing through the red mud. On arriving back at the hotel in the late afternoon, I learnt dinner time had been brought forward due to a formal civic reception at the town hall. With precious little time to remove the mud from my legs and all the showers occupied, I had to resort to doing my ablutions while doing the standing splits over the hand basin in my room. I'd just about done my second leg when a knock on the door informed me that my time had run out. I figured that nobody would be looking at me with their excellencies and the vice-regal party to stare at, so the job would just have to do. All scrubbed up and fed so early, what was there for a young woman and her escort to do in Ravenshoe? It seemed, despite there being plenty of civic leaders paying homage to the representative of the king, the answer seemed to be, not much at all. After dinner at the hotel, Johnny and I strolled down the road to see what was going on in the town hall. Once the speeches finally stopped, the MC announced... Gentlemen should take their partners for a waltz. Come on, Kathleen. In a flash, I was whisked into the middle of the dance floor, a floor so highly polished it was dangerous. No other couple got up, so Johnny and I gave an uninvited exhibition. Dressed in my little black dress the little black dress that will take you anywhere, but which was in fact workwear for a Finney's shop assistant, with just some nonchalance added. It was quite up to the occasion of appearing before Vice-Royalty and civic leaders of the Atherton Tableland. Despite their gate-crashing and uninvited performance, they were not thrown out, but discreetly left with dignity. Not long after, back at home, and despite the fact that the ugly sister hadn't married nor gone to live in Timbuktu. For Kathleen, life was still worth living for weekends in Caloundra. My father, Daniel Evans, had been looking for a place like heaven and after years of searching, found it wasn't anywhere between Southport and the New South Wales border, but right here in Caloundra. As a young engineer on the SS Grantilla, I had often sailed past Caloundra when entering the port of Brisbane. While it might have looked fine from my telescope, I was told it took three hours on a rotten road to get there and as a very busy man, very busy developing Queensland's heavy industry, it was too far for me to consider. 
Avoiding the road altogether, I went to the extreme of taking the family on a holiday on the range in Toowoomba. As it turned out, I didn't find heaven there, as it was a bad season for fleas that year. Dan Evans may have wanted to test drive his new Ford V8. Despite his reluctance, he took Mother to Caloundra for a weekend, staying at Mrs Smith's Enlightened Hotel Francis. Four sherries, please, Mrs Smith. That will be nine pins a glass, so four nines of 36, which will be three and six, please, Colonel. <laughs> we all thought it was a cheap joke, but nevertheless, Dad gave Mrs Smith a wide berth after that. That was September 1933, when Dad discovered that heaven had been hiding in Caloundra all those years. There was no time to waste. First, I bought a fine building block between our friends, the Hamiltons and the Titherleys, and got to getting a house built before Christmas. I went direct to Campbell's and arranged for the work to be done by qualified tradesmen who were to camp on site. True to his word, Dan took possession of their new home with the last of the shavings being swept out on Christmas Eve. They then spent the remainder of the day setting up furniture. It took the entire day. Not because of weight or size, but due to sheer numbers. Two parents and five offspring, all of whom had friends. So that made for a lot of beds to be made for starters. The design of the house had been chosen well and there were very few adjustments needed to be made. However, one was revealed that first night when a thunderstorm poured rain into the western veranda, leaving everyone all scrambling inside to sleep on the floor. So here they were in this fresh and beautiful place called Caloundra in 1933, with five full years to enjoy it before war shattered their lives. Dad was rejuvenated. His hard work was a powerful driving force. He was relaxed and happy, which rebounded over all of us. Even Mother was smiling, despite the extra workload. She always said all a mother needs is for her family to be happy. My dad was a most thoughtful, generous man. I found this poem by the famous last century traveller, adventurer, Richard Burton. Do what thy manhood bids thee do, from none but self expect applause. He noblest lives and dies who makes and keeps his self-made laws. This podcast series was produced by the Sunshine Coast Council Heritage Library with the support of a strategic priority grant from the State Library of Queensland. This series was produced in 2022 and may not be reproduced for any commercial or non-commercial interest.